Welcome to Athletes to Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. I'm Rob Finkelstein, founder and CEO of Alumni Direct. We've created a platform where athletes and other alumni can network within their affinity groups. Uh, it could be Business Alumni Association, it could be Greek fraternity sororities, uh, but just giving them the place where they can uh, do that connecting. Uh, but this show, Athletes Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey, it's all about talking the transition out of sports, which is a major problem today, whether it's financial literacy, mental health, a lot of different issues. So we interview former collegiate and professional athletes and talk about their journey. And the whole idea is to teach and inspire athletes that there is, in fact, life after sports. Uh, today, we got Chase Minifield on. Chase, how you doing? Doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, you're welcome. I, I'm excited. He's, you know, we talked beforehand. He's got a, got a great story. Uh, he played college football, at University of Virginia. Uh, we talked a little about the Barber Brothers because I'm a big Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he played football there, and then uh, he played in the NFL. Played for the then Washington Redskins, which we all know are the Commanders now. Uh, but ultimately, when he transitioned out, uh, did some various things. But he uh, he was the founder of EZOS. I said it right. Yeah, no, say it right. We got the four letters right, Chase. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, I always like to start the show and talk about uh, playing sports growing up and how it shaped your personality leading up through high school and ultimately college. Yeah, for sure. Um, sports always been a big part of my life. My dad, he's a he's a former 1980s all decade team player for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so I kind of grew up around the dog pound and uh, that fan base. Um, and always, you know, going back to games and things of that nature and always seeing my dad's stuff around the house. Um, so sports is always something that I wanted to do. So I played everything and everything, everything and anything growing up. And I competed in everything and anything growing up from um, basketball to baseball to football to swimming to diving to you name it, track, you know, anything and everything that they there was a score or there was a there was a way to win. I was a part of that that thing. And I just loved it to the point where. If I wasn't playing uh, in a in an actual league, I was playing with my friends, my brothers, and my sisters, um, and my cousins, um, and that's just what we did outside of school. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, I love that. I mean, it's a fabric. I mean, I did the same thing growing up. So, did you dream about being a professional athlete? And if so, what sport? Oh yeah. So if you looked at any of my like, you know how you have like a five year old and six year old like, I want to be this. Like my house, say professional athletes. I never really had a sport, honestly. I didn't really choose my sport until in high school, which is a story as in itself. But I just knew I wanted to do this professionally. And that was just competing and winning. Like, that's what I wanted to do as a professional. And if you could get paid to do that, then that was my focus. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I always joke around about it. I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. Unfortunately, the talent wasn't there. So I'm doing this today. <laughs> So um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, I talked about transitioning out of sports and it's it just uh, being a, a big issue and and looking for ways to make a major impact, not only at the collegiate level, but professionally as well. Yeah. Uh, when you were at uh, Virginia, um, did they have programs in place kind of not just your one day workshop, but I mean, uh, true programs that kind of um, would help the athletes across all sports, not just football, but help them educate them about things to look for once they transition out of sports? Um, not really. I think that they're trying to do things now as well from what I'm hearing. Uh, but when I was there, you know, it was all about the network, the network, the network. And then once I left, I was like, how do I reach the network, the network, the network? And I was uh, just like, I didn't understand where that what connection was. Um, and we didn't really do anything while I was there as far as post-career development. And I may be different. I usually say that the football locker room 
is split up with three different types of people. The people that know they're going to get a shot at the NFL, the people that are on the fence, and people that are focused on something else out of, out of sports. Um, University of Virginia, we're probably more in the categories of the twos and threes instead of the people that are guaranteed to get a shot in the NFL. But I was uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, believe I was going to at least get a shot to play um, based on my career that I had at University of Virginia. Um, so, yeah, it was a, um, for me personally, I didn't see anything that I, I, or I didn't take advantage of anything if there was something um, that was going to prepare me for life after sports while I was in school. And yeah, I, was, it, I, it, I didn't it, think about it. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, I was going to say that it, it's interesting. I think that's, you probably put it best as it, depending what category you're in. I think if you're, uh, if you're zoned in enough to where you think you might make that next level, maybe you're not paying attention to even if it is there. And I think it's um, like, I was talking to one guy uh, on a, uh, another podcast, he played football at um, university of Buffalo and, and his story just talked about how uh, he wishes there was something. So that whether it was a four week workshop, some type of class that the athletes were kind of forced to take just to give them a better perspective. Like you saying, you know, you want to network. Well, how do you network if you don't know how to network and if that's part of what they're doing? So, um, you know, we're working on some different ideas with, um, uh, you know, going into you know, athletic departments and, and, you know, potentially with former alumni athletes and trying to develop additional curriculum that could help these, um, these programs out, not only for the current athletes, but for alumni athletes too, that might need that help to, to come back. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, we talked, you know, you mentioned about, um, uh, networking, connecting, talk a little bit about that, uh, from the perspective of, um, you, you know, what you, what your thoughts are on that, like wh while you're playing or just in general. Well, I think that when you're in the NFL, when I, when I got a chance being in the NFL, that was when my brand is at the highest point or my reachability was at its highest point to just like figure out somebody or reach out to somebody to go grab coffee and introduce myself and learn more about what other people were doing. But I didn't have necessarily those resources and those tools based on, and, and most likely I want to reach out to former University of Virginia people there. Like I'm sure that there's, there's many of great University of Virginia alumni who are in the DC area where I played at, you know what I'm saying? That I didn't know like who they are, what they did uh, and those different types of things. And I wasn't able to build those relationships and those connections um, when I was open to those, those opportunities. And actually I was on injured reserves. So I had plenty of time my first year, right. To like go figure something else out um, instead of playing video games at home. Um, doing those different types of things like that. So I think that was what I was getting at when I was talking about, you know, networking is like, how do you, where is this list at? <laughs> you know, where is this list at? Is it just at the Virginia Alumni Foundation where they're reaching out for people for money? Or is this a platform where I can access and say, hey, these are people that are in the software space. These are people that are in real estate. These are people that are in, in this space. Um, now here, how do you want to reach them? That type of situation. So I just didn't have that access. Um, and I think that, you know, access is bigger than just like, um, going to a networking event. I think it's, I think it's having the ability to see and, uh, filter through, um, who are the people you're trying to contact and who you're trying to reach out to. Um, and I don't think it's as easy as people think. And LinkedIn is a good source, but I don't think it's as easy as you can, as you could think, but I think the university actually has a great idea of, who are the people that are doing well, what, what industries they're in and things of that nature. So that's just kind of the things I've missed out on that I wish was more, more accessible to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think um, it, it's, there, there definitely needs, there's resources out there that need to be tapped into. And that's a lot of what we're working on 
um, here at Alumni Direct trying to help in that that matter. And I know that um, I, you know, I was talking to one agent, and, and you could probably attest to this, you know, being around other professional athletes and even the college athletes, but he said that the best time to network and connect is when the players are still playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you kind of brought it up. He said a lot, that's kind of a failure because a lot of players don't do that. And then all of a sudden they're done uh, and they're like, OK, well, here we go. Where's the job and all that? And yeah. it might not. It's not as easy as they thought it would be because they didn't maybe tap in at a younger age. Yeah, that is for sure. And I and I uh, I was in that space where I created a um, a resume and sent it out to people and uh, didn't have no offerings. I still get no offering. I think I can send out my resume today and I still won't get any job offers, which let me down starting my own companies. <laughs> there you go. I'll take you on Chase, man. We'll do it together. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, talk about, uh, and you kind of alluded to there, um, it, it sounds like it's pretty big in Virginia, but talk about um, alumni connections and uh, I guess twofold. So one, when you were at Virginia, was there um, a push for alumni to come back? And I don't mean just like the golf tournaments, but to come back uh, the, the alumni athletes and work with other alumni athletes across sports. Um, I didn't see it too much. You know, we would see some people come from the football space and they would come talk to the team, uh, come by for practice. And we would have those type of relationships. We even had some former alumni that were coaches. That was kind of our biggest connection to other alumni is the coaches that were former players at the university. Um, they would kind of, you know, connect us to different people and things of that nature. Um, but as far as like programs and coming to speak, nothing like that where that I had access to. Uh, from like a panel on like real estate or a panel on financial literacy or a panel on these type of things, which we're trying to, you know, it's good to hear those things from like professors and teachers and those different type of things. But hearing somebody that's been in your shoes, done something that you try to do, and this is what they thought they got out of that situation. I think that's invaluable opportunity and valuable time spent uh, for reaching kids. Yeah, no, I I agree. And, and you're, I think you hit it there too. It's just, uh, maybe a little more respect because they were in your shoes at one point and now they're out. And so like to maybe give it a little more of a listen. Now, if kind of fast forwarding today, um, is there, do you see any interaction from the athletic department kind of reaching out to folks like yourself to come back now and, and as an alumni make a difference? It's a little bit. I think it's more so not necessarily that the, uh, the actual school, but we have like, like we have at University of Virginia, I know I just signed up to help some of the, like mentor some kids and things of that nature at the UVA, but that's more so ran by other alumni. So like we're seeing some other alumni trying to step up and fill that, fill that gap, but it's still not like backed by the school. And at least I don't think it's backed by the school in no form or fashion or, or being like a University of Virginia initiative, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I think I, you know, I was talking to one person, um, she was an agent and uh, her, one of her players wanted to go back to his school. You know, he played in the NFL and all I wanted to go back to his school and not that they shunned him, but they weren't like, they weren't open arms. I mean, one thing, maybe you can shed some light here is I, it seems like, I guess, part of it is the culture of the, the coaching staff. So, you know, there's a lot of, over the years, there's a lot of changeover obviously in coaching. So if the coaching staff, it's a new staff, maybe they don't necessarily reach out to people like former alumni or at least, uh, former alumni that might be further out of their generation when they were coaching. Yeah, for sure. I definitely see that. Like as soon as your coach leaves that you played with, it's hard to even, you know, get that relationship with the new head coach in any form or fashion. So uh, I can definitely see that being a problem. Yeah. Um, another big topic today. And it's, um, I guess uh, everybody talks about uh, NIL name, image, likeness. And I know when you were playing at Virginia, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a part yet. I mean, people, I guess people kind of joke around and talk about there's, 
there were other ways, <laughs> you know, with boosters and things like that. But putting that aside, um, give me your thoughts, uh, both positive and negative. Yeah. So uh, first of all, when I, I think I may have been part of the first NIL like concept where they got rid of the, the, the video game. Uh, I got a little check for the video game likeness on being on the video game they had for college football. Uh, but then it obviously has turned into a whole bigger thing um, today as it, as it sits. Um, and I, and I like the, I like the concept of NIL. Um, I think that it is a little, a little dangerous from the perspective of, you know, not just not, not necessarily having a strong guideline as far as what is expected. I like the idea of, having NIL for a team or for a group of sport, a sport at the school, not necessarily for the individual. Like I, I like that concept better where essentially like you give, let's say you give a million dollars to the basketball team. They split that amongst the team. I don't like people earning more money than other individuals on the same team. I think that's one thing that I didn't like in the NFL um, because it it, it it turns into a business. Even if you don't want it to turn into a business, it turns into a business. Uh, because the person that's getting paid the most needs to be seen the most. And the person that's being seen the most, uh, you know, may not be the better player. And in college, it's easy to, if you're a better player, you usually play in college. Um, that's not, now in the NFL and the NBA, that's different. Like the, the highest players get the most chances. That's what it is. Now, if they so bad to where they've ruined all their chances, then you may get a chance to come into play as a lower, pre, as a lower paid player. Uh, but I don't want the, the the amateurism of college sports and the competitiveness of college sports to have that type of hierarchy system. Um, I think that's important for a freshman to feel like, hey, I'm a freshman. I'm not getting paid NIL. I'm not Bronny James. I'm not getting paid NIL, but I can show up and I can compete for my starting spot uh, to the best of my ability and not have anything influence except for the actual practice and the tapes. Uh, and I think that's extremely important. And uh, I was unfortunate to have that opportunity. I never thought anybody was better than me. They may be starting over me. They may be a higher, like senior, junior, or whatever. But I never thought that they made more money than me, and it wasn't going to. It was going to affect me and my growth towards what I think I was capable of. Um, and I think that's an important thing for the NCAA and teams to consider. Yeah, you know that's that's a really interesting take. That's the first time I've heard it that way. That's that's great because you're right. I think it's um, it because it, it comes into play too. Like people talk about, okay, is there maybe jealousy or things like that amongst teammates. But I guess more importantly, to your point, if, if it's something that's going to affect potential playing time because that person's getting big NIL money, uh, you know, that, that is, that could be a big impact. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I hate to be that kid that doesn't think he can climb the ladder because uh, if you don't think you can climb the ladder, then that's, that's, you're going to open up the transfer portal and that's a whole nother story. So uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think the other thing too, and, and I always uh, kind of the running theme, I think from everybody is from a, a negative standpoint is just um, the education side of it. And I think there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to do that. And I think, you know, so, something I'm sure the schools and the NCAA need to do because, you know, the financial literacy, we talk about this on each show, it's just that, you know, here's an athlete getting potentially getting some big money and not realizing like, Hey, guess what? You got to pay tax. You got to do different things oh, like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the one, one story, and I don't know if you heard about this one, I, I bring this up on almost every podcast, but I guess there was some athlete that made out of, let's say 30, $40,000 on an NIL deal. And so him and his buddies went out and spent the money. And so he, he, you know, he's done with the money. And then because of getting that amount of money, it brought his family's financial thing up higher to where he lost his scholarship too which I mean, that's sad. That should never happen. So I think that's, um, 
there's definitely need for education. I mean, that, there's obviously good and bad to everything. Yeah, that's wild. I never heard that before. Yeah, no, that, that was pretty new. I, I I heard that fairly recently. I mean, and then, but there's also stories you hear, uh, you know, I've heard about NIL for good, which that's kind of cool where some of these athletes are you know, taking taking the proceeds and they're, they're putting it back in the communities and, you know, whether it's feeding families and things like that, which is, I mean, that, that's the positive of it uh, as well. I mean, I guess the other aspect of it is uh, talk maybe a little bit about social media and when you were playing, I, I mean, I'm not, you were probably on the front end of social media. So talk about your thoughts about that. Cause you hear these stories about how athletes have, you know, done some things that yeah. didn't think we're going to come back to haunt them that do years later. Yeah. So uh, I think I was on the front end of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I think my first tweet was uh, who's out there because <laughs> I didn't see anything on my timeline. It wasn't like populated like that. So I was just trying to learn what Twitter, the Twitter thing was all about and why, why people were on here. Uh, so, you know, I think that uh, social media has become its own own beast. I started to brand myself a little bit on social media early in my process, probably around like sophomore year, um, just trying to focus on like having my like not using a different name off of my handle, using my my own personal name, um, things of that nature. So I, I try to grab all those those type of handles and brand myself from that capability. I think social media is the the uh, it's a good opportunity. That is a good thing about NIL. Is it a good opportunity to learn business um, and you know marketing eyeballs? Um, you learn to start to learn your value, and um, if people can start making money outside of their sport. I think that becomes makes it easier to transition out of sports um, is understanding that that was one of my toughest things in my transition was I was like, where's my next check coming from? Um, and if you can start to learn to actually create value and create another revenue stream outside of your sport, even if that's through social media, then I think that's a, that's a plus. That's a, that's going to help kids as they do learn that, Hey, there's more to sports. I even learned people are not even, like the two the two basketball twins at Miami, the twin girls, I think they're Cavender or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they decided not to even come back to school to play no more. They was like, I'm, we're making enough money off the field or off the basketball court to where like it's not even worth my time no more to come to come to the uh, to come to like, play ball anymore. So I think those are great things where you learn to be an entrepreneur at that age and you're able to generate your own income or find a way to generate your own income. I think that is a is a plus. Yeah, no, I, uh, for sure. Um, what one I wanted to kind of circle back. I, I wanted to ask you before. So, from a um, back to the alumni perspective, um, talking, uh, let's you know NFL, and I know uh, like what kinds of things are out there for these um, players, and it's just across all sports have you know similar maybe uh, whether it's the players association or like in this case the NFL alumni. Talk a little bit about that and how you know what they're doing for alumni and and uh, maybe what more could be done. Yeah. Um, so right now, I think the NFLPA, they do, they're, they're, they're becoming better and better um, with what they're offering. Uh, I think the big thing that they offered that I took advantage of was um, paying for schooling. Um, so post, post, um, postgraduate schooling um, or finishing up your graduate degree, they pay for that up to a certain dollar amount. Um, I thought that was great. Uh, I think a lot of people should take advantage of that, that situation, but you know, it's still the same thing as I would say is, as um, what the what the schools are missing with networking is like, how can we use our fraternity, our internal fraternity, to help each other pull each other up, right? Um, and I think that that is a strong source. Like once once somebody, let's say, you know, my dad, he's been a successful entrepreneur post post 
So I've seen, I've got to see somebody transition out of sports and do it in a certain way. Um, but how could I reach out to somebody else that may be in a different industry, maybe automobile, automobile industry or in software? And how, this is the people that I've been around. I don't understand why it's tough for me to find people to talk to in that space or in any type of mentorship type of style. Uh, so I think that's where they can be better at. Uh, they are trying to do some type of things where they're offering current, current uh, players internships. They call it externships, where they go for like a couple of weeks um, to at a certain place to shadow, you know, a COO, a CEO or some type of position that they're interested in um, and go from there. But, you know, I think that's good for building a relationship. Uh, but how much can you really learn in a week or two? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At, at, at a job site. Uh, so, you know, I think there's things I think the the goal is to continue to improve um, and, you know, even reach out to people like yourself and learn how to, what what do you think that they could offer in those different type of fashions. But um, to date, you know, it's been mostly about education and health. And I think that's uh, kind of been their focus. Right. OK, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk now about transition. So uh, out of sports, so there's two for you. I mean, you've got the transitioning out of that college sport and, and, and that whole college life into professional football, and then the other side of that uh, professional. So let's talk first about college. Talk about uh, how that went for you. Yeah. So college. Um, so in college, I was a two-time All-American at University of Virginia. I was one of the top players in my class coming out. Uh, I ended up getting hurt my bowl game, my, my last game of my career or before the last game of my career, which ended up causing me to go undrafted because of medical uh, medical reasons, um, which I didn't expect. I, I thought that it would I was at least I thought I at least put enough good capabilities on tape to where, um, you know, somebody would draft me um, even the day before the draft. My agent was talking about first, second, third round. So uh, that was an interesting thing to learn the process of damaged goods versus versus not damaged goods and as an owner uh, and somebody putting an investment in you, um, which makes sense uh, for me being a business person now. But that was a tough transition just because, one, I knew I was going to get a chance, but two, I didn't start off in the NFL at the level that I expected to start off at. And now I'm working an uphill battle versus the you know first, second, third round pick who's going to automatically be, you know, second string, be expected to be on the team that first year, those different type of things to where I was an undrafted free agent. And I'm probably, in my mind, I'm better than the people that they drafted. Um, and But I'm still not making that same amount of money. Um, so then we're talking about that same thing we were just discussing earlier, where now I got to prove myself um, to be that person, um, where now I'm turning every practice into almost a game speed type of environment. Um, just to stay, just to stay alive and to stay on the team, uh, which end, ultimately ended up damaging my body even more. Right. So, um, yeah, that was my transition. I ended up getting hurt again. Uh, I, uh, signed a contract for the, for the Redskins that basically said, if I hurt my knee, the knee that they had, uh, concerns about, uh, if I heard it, that I wouldn't be responsible, they wouldn't be responsible for the contract. Um, so I actually ended up hurting that knee in OTAs. Um, and I thought it was a, I thought it was a done deal. I didn't even talk to the coaches. I left and I bought my own airplane ticket, went home. Um, and then they called me when I was home. They're like, why aren't you here? Why aren't you at meetings? And I was like, well, I signed a contract that said that if my knee hurts, if I hurt my knee again, that, uh, you guys aren't responsible for it. So I went and took things into myself and left. Uh, what they said, uh, I think the, uh, the defensive coordinator and GM ended up calling me saying, Hey, we're, we, you've, you've done enough good things since you've been practicing that we want to keep you around, we believe you'll be a starter here eventually. Um, so they end up, you know, putting me on injury reserve, which I talked about a little bit earlier. 
Um, and I ended up coming back and had to work my way back again from another injury. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of been my, that's kind of been my MO. I would say transition from high school. I mean, not high school from college to the NFL was the, the uphill climb, um, versus and, and trying to like knock people off as far as saying, all right, I'm better than this person. I'm better than this person. I'm better than this person. Um, but having to play that politics game as well on the way up the ladder. So that's kind of my transition there. And then once you, once you finished up, I mean, it's, um, I guess it's a story every, every athlete handles it differently, but, but um, talk yeah. a little about your transition into um, the business world and, and just um, maybe give some advice to other athletes, you know, whether they're, you know, coming out after college or whether it's being a professional yeah. athlete like yourself. Well, there's a good story behind this. So essentially I, uh, I end up actually, after I got done, I, my second year, I was playing um, special teams, practice squad, that type of stuff. My third year, I was up and down off the practice squad. Um, and I kind of lost my focus as far as, um, you know, there was a beginning when I showed up and I was watching tape every day, like I was starting for the game. And then by year three, I'm like, what am I watching tape for? I'm not even playing type situation. And I just lost that. Uh, I just felt like people were controlling my destiny. And I wasn't getting any chance to prove myself um, outside of practice. Um, so when that opportunity did come, I actually started uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. And it also was my last game. Uh, and I always regret that game because um, I got called up midweek to start that day um, because of an injury that happened in practice. Um, and my preparation had already started to dwindle over the years. Uh, and therefore, you know, when it was time for me to go, I had to press go instead of already being on go. Um, and, you know, I had to do some last minute preparation with extra film watching, extra weight cutting, that type of stuff, um, which I think definitely hindered um, my performance on that day. I ended up getting a concussion um, mid game, um, which I had to end up being, leaving the game and stuff like that. But that was my last game. That was my last play in the NFL. Um, and I ended up getting cut two weeks later. Um, so somebody that goes from undrafted to actually getting the start and then that starting game, the game that he gets to start and prove himself, he actually is his last game, uh, is kind of my story. And, you know, after that, I never thought that, you know, I never thought it was a realistic thing that somebody would be a starter in the NFL for a game for their last game and they wouldn't get another chance to play. I thought that people like I thought the people like on the bench don't get another chance. Right. Not the people that were like that actually were starting in an NFL game. Uh, so I think that I thought you just work your way down the ladder. You don't just go you just don't go get off the ladder, jump off. Uh, so mine was a jump off the ladder for sure, where, uh, you know, I, I was like, all right, there's no way. That you know, they told me they're gonna call me back. I'm like, all right, it's cool. Uh, but they never called me back. And I'm sitting here, you know, with you know, what's next type of situation. And I was like, there's surely there's a there's an opportunity out there from 30, 30 teams, two corners, six corners on a team. Surely there's an opportunity. Um, there was no opportunity there. There was no opportunity there. And I end up having to, I was out for a year. After a year, I decided, all right, um, I'm gonna take this offer that they got that I got from the CFL. Took that offer, went up tearing my Achilles at the CFL in the first preseason game. Um, and then after that, I was like, well, this isn't for me. Uh, the good thing about the difference between those two situations is that when I was in the NFL and I was transitioning out, I had nothing else I knew how to do. I actually worked for my dad a little bit um, and was in the office during that time frame uh, working with him. And I was still working out and training full time. 
Um, but I didn't know what was outside of football. I knew I had to get fo football was the only check I could create in my, for myself. Um, because my, obviously my dad's just paying me for a sympathy play, uh, <laughs> teaching me a little bit at the same time, but, um, then like I earned this job. Right. So, uh, when I went to the CFL, I started my own company. I started like creating my own business model, um, and was starting to have meetings and things of that nature. So, and I actually got my first contract while I was at practice in the CFL, like I was in practice and I was going, I was sending emails before practice and after practice, I'll go check to see if I got any responses. Um, and I actually ended up getting my first contract. I didn't execute it. Like I sent like a couple of my teammates and my mom to go down there and execute the contract, but I got, I received a check. I got paid for that. And, um, that was the first time I realized I could make money outside of sports. And once I, uh, got hurt in the CFL, I didn't have that same pain that I had when I was cut from the NFL and was like, what is next? I knew what was next and I was ready to fully go into that career. So that's where, that's where I, that's where I started. And that's where my both, both of my transition stories. <laughs> that, that's, that's great. And and so what would be like some key words of advice uh, to two athletes and helping them in their next journey? Do something else, do something else. Um, I think that, I think that it's a, it's a fine line between being the best in the, in the time that it takes to be the best at what you do versus finding something else that you can generate income with. You got to have some type of hobby, some type of skill that you are learning to turn into some type of income. Um, I, I suggest personally real estate holds. Um, if you are in the NFL and you are making big checks, I suggest you know trying to put down deposits on rental income properties. Um, but ideally having something that you're trying to do outside of sports that you have a, a mind for this may be my next thing, uh, I think is extremely important and not just being one track minded. No, that, that, that's great advice. I mean, I think a lot of people talk about when you're done with your sport, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm Chase, the football player. I'm Rob, the runner, you know, Billy, the soccer player, Susie, the Olympic mm -hmm. swimmer. And so they're, they're looking, identifying themselves as the sport and not the person with, with many yeah. years to go. So uh, let, let's talk a little about um, what you're doing today. So uh, this, yeah. this journey, uh, talk about uh, EZOS and what you're doing there and, uh, and ultimately how people can find you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So EZOS, we are changing the way property management is done. Um, property management is changes coming to the property management sector. Um, they've traditionally ran property management um, where they have full site teams on staff. We're turning property management into tasks. We're turning tasks into jobs. So any property management tasks, we turn them into paid jobs for contractors or individuals who can execute those jobs so that the property is no longer needed a full-time staff and the people that will operate in, uh, and manage the asset from an operational standpoint need will be the people of the community. Um, and they will be scheduled out and paid out by the property management company going forward. So um, that's what we're doing at EZOS. We are a vendor management platform at the core, but we connect people to jobs, specifically at property complexes. Um, so would that be like if somebody like in a community needed like a landscaping, like instead of individually as a community kind of finding those those vendors and that, that's what you would help to, that whole vendor management? Yep. So Rob, if you had a Rob's uh, grass cutting and there was a property in your city that was looking for somebody to grass cut, we would connect you guys. Um, you know, and we would schedule that on your schedule. You would come out there, do the job. It would be quality control by the property. The property would say it's good. We'll pay you. They send it to you directly to your account and you're good to go. So uh, we're turning anybody's skill set in the city to somebody that can help at a specific property. Okay, that's cool. So it's kind of like a marketplace, almost like a 
Yep. And like a next door or something like that. that. That's great. Yep. That's exactly what it's like. So yeah, they can find us at www.ezos.co. Co. Um, and on all our different social media platforms will be on the website as well. Okay. That's great. And uh, yeah, th- this is, this has been good. I mean, I, I, <laughs> the one thing we really are looking for w- with this podcast is, is to make an impact. And, you know, we talked about it and, and you know, cause you played, but just the whole, you know, the financial literacy, mental health, all those different uh, avenues. Uh, so I, I definitely encourage people to follow the show, follow us. Uh, we're on, uh, you know, we're on YouTube, on my direct YouTube channel. We're all, all across the different podcast networks. And, you know, if we can impact at least one person, hopefully a lot more than that, but uh, follow those. Uh, you can also find us on alumnidirect.com and all the Instagram and, and Twitter and all that. But uh, this has been great. I really appreciate the time, Chase, and, and the, the great insight and uh, looking forward to uh, having more conversations. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate you having me. Uh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure.